Hey everyone, post-production, Jeremy here. So every episode I try and innovate a bit with my setups and with the episode and what I tried to do this week was stream the show live on twitch.tv which I did actually successfully manage for the most part but a combination of doing that and the fact that my internet's down at my house so I had to stream uh, the internet on the hotspot on my phone meant that there was a few technical issues uh, and some stoppages and breaks so I've edited out some of that uh, from the from the recording to save you all listening to it but uh, if there's any jumps or whatever just uh, bear bear with it because that was the that was the way it went down and hopefully it'll be better next week hello and welcome back to the bitcoin cash podcast following bitcoin cash on its rise to global reserve currency today is sunday the 27th of february 2021 uh and i am here with imaginary username who is a hello. bitcoin cash developer I, I guess how would you describe yourself uh i wouldn't I wouldn't call I, I wouldn't call myself a quote unquote developer because I cause, you know I, I don't I don't actually write like much code uh, compared to some uh, some actual developers out there so uh, I would I would call myself uh, an enthusiast and operator of a bunch of services and yeah, I just go around and you're in business right you're in business everyone's in business <laughs> yeah. All right, businessman, imaginary uh, username. Anyway, we're here with uh, here with imaginary username after uh, some technical difficulties, and uh, yeah, powering on with it. So the price. Uh, do you watch the uh, Bitcoin Cash price obsessively, or or how how do you approach that? Uh, it's some it's something that I look at occasionally, and of course, obviously, I look. I look at it whenever I actually want to uh, pay somebody or get paid. But mm. uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, it's not something. It's not something I look at like every five minutes or something. Yeah, <laughs> Unlike yeah. some other people that I know. Yeah, exactly. That's right. People go through a bit of a phase, or they have different, you know, triggers where they just get in a, a loop of like checking the price constantly because it's always changing. You know, it can be kind of addictive, and if people have their you know too much invested or they don't have faith in the project or whatever they're always kind of like oh shit am i going to sell out you know if it suddenly yeah. drops or anything but anyway this week it's down to 447 uh dollars on the last uh, episode it was up like 30 percent, and now it's down 30 percent. so i always like to just check in on the price uh, so that people can after they've watched a few episodes or they listen to like all the podcasts in series they just understand okay it goes up it goes down but it's really not <laughs> not the end of the world uh, well i mean it's it's basically where it's basically where it was like what uh two weeks ago so <laughs> well, it feels like a lot's changed even though yeah exactly it, it it goes up massively and down massively. human psychology is weird like that right like whenever crypto gets to a high and it's so high up and then it crashes and it's still like twice the price it was before you know one month ago but everybody's still just oh no the price is down we're all ruined you know it's never going back yeah. up uh, god people are amazing but the yeah the it's now almost a hundred to one with btc so i guess that's kind of not good news but on the other hand it is actually pretty uh pretty amazing that you can get a basically hundred to one bet on a network that is ten thousand to one times more efficient you know i i'm personally amazed about that 
Moving on. So the transactions obviously have been kicking off and uh, now are ahead of the, um, you know, BTC pretty pretty consistently too. Not literally every single day, but they're ahead of it. But this growth curve did sort of slow down. Like it seemed like it was just going to rocket past and just keep going. So, I, I mean, I, I wonder what your theory on that. My theory is sort of that maybe... Uh, what happened was as Bitcoin uh, fees have got higher, that eventually all the people who were actually using Bitcoin regularly uh, for any kind of payments, they sort of started to clue in that, wait a second, we've got to swap over to Bitcoin Cash. And now maybe most of those people have swapped over because the fees have come down a bit on BTC recently. Uh, so I have so I have to be... Uh, so uh, let's... Uh... Let me grab. Let me grab something off the top of my head. Of my head. Mm. So I don't. I don't want to. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't really want to uh, like go around. The recent transaction spike is mostly. It's mostly due to Noise Cash doing mm. uh, sprinkling airdrops all around its users. That's that, That's what it is. Um, yeah. Is it spam? No, it's not. Uh, it is a. It is legit use. Uh, giving Bitcoin Cash to a few. To uh, new users, a, f- a few cents at a time. Um, so it is totally legit. But uh, is it organic? Probably not. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not like there's like uh, million millions of people swarming in, swarming in and uh, say that oh, BTC fees are are too high. We're all going to BCH instead. No, that's not what's happening. Um, so yeah, uh, I would get that out of the way first. And uh, if we want to look at uh, BitPay, of course, uh, you know BitPay, mm. uh, it's a 6 7% uh, BCH and, uh, and a, little bit of Ether- a little bit of Ethereum and then uh, the vast majority is still BTC. Mm. So I would say that that is the real usage ratio here. And then, and, and then if you ask people, like, whoa, does that mean BCH should... Uh, should fairly be like 0.05, 0.06 BTC. Yes, it should. But yeah, mm. uh, we're not, we're not like, we're not like up to BTC usage yet. If you consider like commercial and organic usage. Yeah, but in the case of that, like let's say so, this noise dot cash is obviously like a significant part of it. I I do agree with that. Why would it have stopped then? Why why did it level out? What wouldn't it keep going up if more people are flooding into that? Um, well, it's well because it's not more people, more people, mm. quote unquote, more people flooding into that per se. It's you know, noise on cash doing airdrop, and they are only doing so much airdrop. Yeah. So you know, um, if they're basically giving away, giving away money at a certain speed, and you know, at some at some point, at some point, they gotta stop ramping up, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. They can't. I, I mean, I think, yeah, obviously, a huge challenge with any product and any cryptocurrency is user retention, right? And I think historically, it's been shown that, like, you have Bitcoin faucets and whatever, and people do it because they're curious and they get a couple cents, and then they think, all right, and they go back to the rest of their life and yeah. they forget about it, right? Yeah, exactly, and. Uh... I think the plan is that if even just a few percent of those uh, users got really interested and become and become you know enthusiast of BCH, that's totally worth it already. Mm. So yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think uh, 
Anyway, it's it's interesting to see. We'll we'll see because I I do I sort of feel like yeah maybe there just needs to be the next app or the next use case developed. Otherwise, maybe we might just flatline and and kind of be at uh, parity with with BTC in terms of transactions. It'll be it'll be well, interesting to see. Well, I mean, I don't I I, I uh, you know it it is a single service. It might go up. It might go down. I'm mm. I'm fine with it. Uh, what I do hope is that this kind of uh, what I would call inorganic traffic uh, is is, is uh, eventually eclipsed by organic traffic. Like yeah. people with hard needs to you know pay their bills or you know participate in the smart contracts, etc., etc. That kind of that that kind of things. So I, I hope that I hope that eventually it's not it's uh, a lot of different people and especially you know we've got we get the user count like organic user count up. That's what I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely that's the holy grail. But that's that's so difficult to do as every single cryptocurrency now, even for Bitcoin, right? It's not. It's not uh, easy to get uh, get real users and especially committed users for for real commerce. Well, they got well, well, they got the they got their fees up so high that <laughs> you know now nobody can see you. Yeah, well, that's Hooray. right. They, <laughs> yeah, they've screwed themselves in that respect. But uh, Bitcoin Cash definitely uh, powering on in that legacy, and I think that is a significant difference between the communities that Bitcoin Cash it is still focused on that real world adoption. Maybe it's not happening all over the place or anything necessarily right but it, it is still like that you can still buy stuff you know you can still donate to people in the scene and all that all that kind of thing it, it does happen right so like uh so here's another thing i saw this week as well which is uh, i don't know if you know mike maloney right but he's this uh investor i guess and he uh was really into gold and silver so he has a company selling that he's sort of a bit like peter schiff uh, in many ways, but unlike Peter Schiff, he actually thinks crypto is great because he knows about money and he knows what are the properties of money and all this stuff. Uh, and he made a couple of tweets this this week where he was talking about uh, you know Bitcoin being gold and sort of calling out some people who were making claims about that. And then he said like, look, I had dinner with Roger Ver, who's obviously a prominent uh, Bitcoin Cash advocate. And then, yeah, I, I'm in on BCH, you know, the title of the white paper says it all. So I just thought that was great because he, he has a really good videos about uh, money and stuff. I recommend everybody to check out his uh, channel. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously wasn't, wasn't uh, buying the BTC hype. He, he actually sort of got, got to the bottom of it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It just seems very interesting. But yeah, I have... Um, if you go on bitcoincashpodcast.com, what well, I think about the second or third recommended link I have is to one of his videos where he breaks down the whole financial system and how it all works with the US uh, debts and everything. So for any listeners who are not familiar with that stuff and just sort of never really understood about the debt ceiling or like any of that stuff, uh, check that out because it, yeah, it's a really good uh, explanation. I I haven't I have a personal I have not personally uh, actually read the series, but I would also like to remind people that uh, gold is where it is today because it once was money, <laughs> and uh, so you know uh, for people who want something to be gold, they probably want that thing to be money first. And, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh yeah uh if we limit 
if we limit ourselves to a certain absurdly small uh, throughput, uh, it's a lot, a lot harder to become money. And, uh, you know, that, that, in fact, we're seeing that over the place with BTC first, and now we are seeing the same thing in Ethereum uh, for, a diff for a different reason, but it leads to the same place. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And yeah, this whole digital gold sort of meta narrative and stuff, I think it falls apart yeah, pretty quickly once you sort of uh, we, we, think about we only it. See, we only see what gold is today, um, where gold is just like hard asset that's uh, relatively e difficult to use and uh, nobody, nobody really uses it as money. But, you know, like gold got to where it is today for a reason. And uh, other than maybe silver, but not really, um, there's there's like a lot of other things with scarcity around the world, but none of them occupy the space where the gold is. You know, uh, you don't you don't see uh, you don't see people using like rare earth metals for this purpose. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, gold was once the world currency. And everyone, you know, pass around gold coins and use that as the money. That's what it. That's what it was. A lot of people just forget about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, this whole store of value stuff. Like, it, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It started out, you know, it acquired uh, use in transactions, and then it built up obviously a long history, like it did thousands that for a few of thousand years. years. Yeah, exactly. So, Bitcoin trying to sort of jump on that train it's kind of like well maybe in the year 5000 you know we'll see about that but uh, i i think one thing it, it it is that is true is that this sort of digital gold narrative sells very well to in like institutional investors i was watching some videos of the bloomberg cryptocurrency analysis or whatever and because they're not they're not they don't know about cryptocurrency but they know about gold because they understand okay there's stocks and assets and bonds and whatever and then there's gold and they already have a little mental box for it, you know? So if somebody says to them, Bitcoin is like gold, except gold too or something, then they sort of go, ah, okay, I can sort of see why I would put a hundred million dollars so, into this. So, right? so, I can, so I can comment a little bit on that. And this is probably also where we can learn a little bit uh, in BCH, uh, uh, aside from, you know, our primary job of pushing adoption and stuff. Mm. Which is that a lot of this institutional investors, the reason they invest in any cryptocurrency at all uh, is not just that they actually buy into this digital gold narrative, quote unquote narrative. Those narratives are, I would say those narratives are primarily for like retailers to buy their bags. Those institutional investors are not stupid. Mm. What they want uh, for the most part are what I would say asset diversification. So, you know, like they buy bonds, they buy stocks, they buy real estate, but this asset, this asset classes, uh, you know, a lot of them, they just want to expose to different kind of risk. Uh, and uh, a lot of times, you know, if they have a strategy in place, they care, they actually care very little about, uh, you know, oh, uh, like if they buy some houses, they don't care that much about, okay, does the house look good? Does it have, a, is it in a good, 
is it in a good town? What's the uh, what's the neighborhood looks like? They don't they don't care that much about that. They want to get exposed to this basket of things called real estate, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, so in so what they do care is that okay, if I buy into this uh, asset class, um, so uh, would it what how does it look compared to other assets? And secondly, liquidity. Can I, if I want to, if I want to sell it, can I sell it quickly? And uh, can I sell it for a reasonable price in uh, with a reasonable spread? That's what assets are for. You know, uh, you buy them, and then some other in some other time, if you want to stop exposing yourself to it, you would want to. Uh, you will want to liquidate it. That's what they care. That's what assets are for. That's why you know they would buy. Uh, they they would go send agents uh, to go around and uh, look for like this houses or you know buy like uh, bars of gold. They will buy securities of that. They just want the exposure and they want and they want liquidity. That's that, that that's all they want. So uh, yeah, in that case. In that sense, you know, BTC for a lot of them are is just this other thing. They don't even care about the coins. They are perfectly fine leaving the coins in custody, like somewhere else, mm. uh, like Grayscale or whatever. Um, they just want to buy into it uh, and uh, sell it. and uh, sell it some other time uh, and uh, you know uh, expose themselves to different classes of risk. Uh, so in that case, you can notice that liquidity is actually quite important. And uh, so you know, if they want, if they want to buy into crypto, if they want to expose themselves into cryptocurrencies, um, they would they would buy a lot of BTC for no other reason than the fact that BTC has a huge market. Yeah, and it's very liquid. And that's it. They don't need any other. Reason. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, maybe we can convert those. Uh institutional investors but it'll be the, they'll be the last ones right because it'll be after everybody else is already trading it after it's already rocketed up in market cap and whatever then well yeah, yeah not well not not, ju- not just that so uh you know it is up to us uh it is up to us i think to create um, to create use cases that you that you that move a lot of liquidity around Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, a lot of people say that you know, like if you look at some other blockchains, um, like uh, say BSB, <laughs> you know, they are really obsessed with putting weather on the chain. They are really obsessed with putting pictures and videos on the chain. Hey, I can put this video on the chain, and it only cost me ten bucks for this like huge video. Um, that's not gonna work for increasing value because it doesn't actually move any significant amount of liquidity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter, like, like, think about it, right? How big, how big can your blockchain get? You will never, you, you will never catch up to even one, one thousandth of freaking duty. Yeah. Um, so realistically, how much liquidity is that, is that gonna involve? Like practically nothing. Um, so yeah, uh, any, if we, if we want to, if we want to attract like, uh, the big fish, uh, we're gonna have to try to figure out uh, use cases, uh, both custodial and non-custodial, that that uh, attracts liquidity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess yeah, we'll uh, well I guess we'll talk about that when we get onto any hedge in uh, 
in more detail, but I, I, I can see where you're going. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, the, there, there's that, but you know, it's not just any edge. Any edge, any edge general protocols is a relatively recent thing, but you know, the thing that ECH has uh, always been advocating for a while, you know, merchant adoption and getting people to pay for the things in BCH, that, that is a significant thing. Mm-hmm. Because if a lot of people are paying for things in BCH, then a lot of people would necessarily have like significant amounts of BCH flowing around the place. People want to keep like a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks in their pockets, and so are the merchants. Mm. That's that's significant compared to you know non-liquidity use cases. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not just me shilling at the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, well, you're very welcome to. You know, that's that's why you're on the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I take your point exactly. You you want to be like real commerce i guess uh is quite important for that stuff rather than uh yeah just having having it all sitting around in vaults so yeah this week also that was the uh the fed's payment system went down which i think was a a bit of an interesting case of obviously prompted a little bit of a crisis with everybody whinging and moaning about it uh and it is it is just interesting to see that at that scale, they still you know if they want to try and make an update, for instance, or whatever they were doing, uh, they kind of shut down their own uh, system. And since financial markets are so twenty four seven and interconnected right now, you you can't really afford that. So that's you know something that maybe cryptocurrencies do have a have a bit of an edge. Yeah, uh, and. Uh... Yeah, uh, we gotta we gotta keep in mind though. Um, I mean, most of our uh, most of the cryptocurrencies. I mean, aside from some really centralized ones, uh, we don't talk about them. Uh, most of the actual cryptocurrencies are decentralized enough so that they can claim that they practically never go down. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also gotta keep in mind that we have a long way to go because, like, BCH, uh, the network itself never goes down. And if you access it in a certain way, uh, you enjoy that. Uh, you enjoy that uh, security. But a lot of uh, people access uh, BCH through centralized or or semi centralized uh, interfaces, and those services go down. Those services probably go down a lot more often than uh, you know uh, Amazon Web Service or whatever other centralized things that we like to dump on. So mm. that's something to keep in mind yeah yeah it's true and i mean hopefully over time those you know the reliability of those services will increase obviously and also as well that we can find more ways you know if you have you can have failover systems like i mean that's quite expensive yep. uh you know from a business and an engineering point of view but with with time you know that that's not an unsolvable issue yeah um yeah, the, I think the, I think the advantage of cryptocurrencies is that if you want redundancy, you can easily get redundancy. But from from a uh, from a user experience standpoint, uh, we should <laughs> encourage people to get as much redundancy as possible. Mm. So yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I hope we'll uh, we'll see that you know. And I think it's interesting as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, like we just have we run everything over the internet, but it could be possible to be putting uh blockchain you know broadcasting via 
via radio waves or you know doing doing some other different stuff like i don't think that's ever got really that far because it's a big job and there's not yeah necessarily yeah i'm not i'm not even talking about those like base layer things but i yeah, think yeah. we've got we are re- reasonably decentralized at the base layer to not worry about those yet mm. for a while for a while yeah. Um, but you know, when we get higher in level, uh, when we get closer to the user, we start seeing places where it, where it can actually, where you know, uh, reliability can actually be a problem here and there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we had as well. I I don't want to turn this into a whole episode about uh, tether either. I might try and find another um, another uh, you know show to have that. But basically. Uh, for the listeners who don't know, Tether is, I think it's about the third or the fourth biggest uh, cryptocurrency in, in quotation marks, where the idea basically is that cryptocurrencies have a lot of advantage, but one problem with them is that they're really volatile and also that people don't really know how to handle them. So someone had this uh, bright idea that if they basically had in a bank account a hundred you know us dollars and then they made a cryptocurrency which only they were in charge of and that they issued a hundred of those tokens then people could trade them around like like a cryptocurrency you know they could be sent over the internet it would be easy to divide you could put them on all the exchanges and all that sort of stuff and then that people would trade those around and then they would uh, be able to cash them back in for the actual us dollars that you had so this is sort of going back to that sort of centralized banking model but of course, they immediately uh, started producing so many of these things. That's why they're number three or number four, these USD tethers. There's like $34 billion of them or something like that. There's a lot. And uh, everybody was kind of like, wait, do you actually have $34 billion sitting in your bank account? And there's been a lot of questions about that uh, to the point that the New York Attorney General investigated them and now fined them $18.5 million dollars. Uh, but in the settlement, they admitted no wrongdoing, even though it says that the New York Attorney General found <laughs> that they did not have the reserves. Uh, and we will wait and see whether or not this all blows up in the future. <laughs> but uh, I would yeah. not recommend yeah, to be holding USD tethers to uh, the listeners. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's the common... Uh, at the root of it is the common problem with uh, sense what's basically censorable uh, centralized service, right? Mm. Uh, they pinky promise you that anytime you want to exchange USDT back to USD, you can get some USD, but that's not all. But, uh, you know, you've got to... They, they they just tell you that, and you got to believe that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe... It is or it isn't. It can probably run for quite a while because the problem with a bank run only sets in once everybody wants to get out, not just a few people. Uh, so it might it might carry on for quite a long time. Uh, we'll we'll see. But certainly, if, uh, if you're getting involved with USD tethers, probably just trade them around and then get rid of them as quickly as possible. Don't be yeah. I mean, uh, if you look at it from a wider perspective, uh, tether is just. Uh, Tether is just the most visible case, but it, you know, if you really think about it, it also applies to general uh, centralization of value mm. uh, among cryptocurrencies. So Tether is where it is, uh, and also, you know, uh, got the problems it has because 
all of its value literally only depends on this one company, uh, Tether dot, uh, you know, Tether Corporation. Mm. Um, so if the company falls apart, uh, it's people, you know, run away, the bank account got confiscated, and that's the end. It's yeah, worth zero dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, you know, uh, we talk about it as if the problem is because, oh, because of lack of audits and stuff, but think about it, like, the real problem there is, like, is that this, the value of this entire currency is totally 100% dependent on this one company. That is the real problem. Mm. Uh, and uh, you can actually apply to that to a number of other cryptocurrencies. You know, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to name any because that will make this, that will make the show a lot longer. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. A central point of failure is what you want to avoid, and also having a, a yeah distributed uh, ecosystem. Right, is obviously a lot more uh, robust. So yeah. So okay. So. Obviously, in contrast to these sort of stable coins where the idea is it's one US dollar and the value never changes and therefore, you know, investors can have some confidence or ability to trade that against uh, different assets. Uh, I wanted to talk this week about how volatility works in cryptocurrencies and it is one of the top things that new people or not even, not even, especially people who are not in cryptocurrencies, they'll say, oh, it's so volatile, it could never work because it's volatile. And that's a complete uh, misnomer. Right? And so we've got to go through a few other reasons, right? So the first thing to understand is that in economics, there is this idea of this impossible trinity, which is that of these three things, you can only have two. And the three things are free capital flow, so you can trade around your, your currency in the world, sovereign monetary policy, so you know a country can uh, control whether they print or they reduce the supply of their currency, and a fixed exchange rate is the third one. So like when you, when you think through those um, three, and this would be a good point for any uh, listeners, if they just have the audio, they can look up the slides. Uh, for this show because it, it's a lot more helpful if you can see it visually and think about it. But basically, if you if you have uh, money that can flow around the world and you're in control of your own monetary supply, you can't pick the how much the cost is because people are going to trade it on the market against other currencies and it's going to go up or down. So if you want to have a fixed rate, then you either need to not have the ability for your money to flow around the world. So like... I don't know, maybe like North Korea could say we're going to fix the rate against the US dollar and we're still in control of our monetary supply, but also it's never, uh, you know, adjusting. But then as soon, you know, it's only because people in the country can't trade with the outside because if they did, it would obviously fluctuate based on the internal and the external conditions. Or you have to give up your monetary policy. So you can have a fixed exchange rate and you can have people all trading them around, but then in order to keep that fixed exchange rate, you can't really be adjusting the monetary supply according to your own whims. It has to be according to whatever the market, uh, you know, says you need to do to maintain that exchange rate. Okay. Yeah, so, ba so basically, <laughs> uh, in this impossible trinity, Bitcoin has, and uh, Bitcoin Cash and a lot of the other ones, they go for free capital flow and the sovereign monetary policy where the, you know, the network sets up the parameters and everything trades on the free market and therefore they don't have a fixed exchange rate. 
tether goes for the fixed exchange rate and the free capital flow i guess so <laughs> in theory they're not really in control of their uh monetary policy but the yeah so if you were, if you were to have uh yeah with the stable coins or whatever where the volatility is like not a problem for those things then you have to be aware that you're going to give up one of those two other uh you you give up your sovereign uh you give up your uh sovereign monetary policy or you know in the case of crypto your autonomous uh, uh your autonomy basically yeah. uh, and so you're you're literally tethered <laughs> <laughs> true well well said you can give up you can get a fixed exchange rate but you've tethered yourself uh exactly so there's this article which i really like uh is from 2014 uh, it's linked on the sl slide. It's by Daniel Craywidge, who I think he kind of went off and got really into Bitcoin SV, uh, I think. But basically, he has this article called I Love Bitcoin's Volatility, and it makes a lot of good points. So uh, one thing is to think Bitcoin is volatile, Bitcoin Cash is volatile, but a lot of the volatility comes from the fact that it grows at an insane rate. So... If you think about the price now, let's say we saw it was, you know, 450 US dollars. And let's say we assume for the sake of the argument that it's going to $10,000. There's no way for it to get from A to B without it being volatile. Even if it was a straight line, that would still be insane volatility and that it doesn't happen in a perfectly straight line. So if you think that cryptocurrency is going to grow, it's going to be volatile. It's just, it's a matter of fact, right? Well, if you, I mean, I mean, we all, we, sh we should probably most, most of us should probably know what happens when you have a long period of growth with uh, little to no volatility. It, do it doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, we, we've seen that repeatedly in history. It really doesn't end well. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, and that, and so that's even in the baseline case of just the facts of obviously in growth, there's going to be volatility. But even if you set that aside, the Bitcoin cash is going to be volatile just because things change so fast in the cryptocurrency industry. Everything's always changing. Coins are, you know, changing their policies. They're developing new features. The outside market is reacting. So much stuff is going on all the time that obviously there's going to be uh, volatility involved. And then the, the last point here as well, too, is that because the, there's things are changing really fast. And like we said, the, va the value is growing uh, underneath to some extent. Then you layer on top of that human psychology, which is the pattern of bubbles that you see in cryptocurrency, where everybody gets excited and then they all pile in and then it goes way over the value and then everybody gets into despair. They all sell out at the top. It has a huge crash back down. Then it spends ages. Well, not, not, at, just, not just that, uh, because the market has a lot of speculators, uh, what speculators do a lot of times is that they get leverage. They get a lot of leverage. Yeah. And leverage by, its, leverage by its very nature is not terribly stable. You know, um, if, the mar if the market is something like, say, corn, um, most of the, well, I'm just using an example. Maybe maybe some maybe some people will grill will grill me that say that oh no the market doesn't actually look like that because it's also been very speculative matter wouldn't be surprising the least but mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, 
you know, if a market is mostly just people wanting to buy it uh, to use somewhere, and uh, people who sell it, and people will sell it uh, because they acquired it to some normal boring, boring ways, then uh, uh, when a thing, when the price of that thing falls, naturally you will think that oh, it's supply and demand. There should be more demand when the price falls, and then those demand will all come in and then buy it, and then the price will go back up. And then mm. when the price goes up, uh, it will there will be more sellers, and so the price should come back down. That's how we imagine things should work, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, in a market that is very speculative, that's not what happens. That uh, what happens is that you got a lot of leverage got a lot of speculators setting like uh, stop losses and so you know if you're leveraged through the roof if you're leveraged 50x for example if the price falls two percent then you're forced to sell you must sell um so what so what happens in this case is, is that instead of this negative feedback that we that uh, I described just now where the price falls, there will be more demand and then the price goes back up and then, you know, if the price gets too high, people will sell and then so it comes back down. What happens instead is that, oh, the price falls, the leverage people are, you know, liquidated and they must sell. They, they, if they, since they must sell, the price comes down further and the price comes down further, another bunch of people are liquidated. They also must sell. So it, it drops a lot. Mm. And the reverse is true when it goes up, you know, it goes, it goes up, a, it goes up a little bit, it goes up 5% and then a bunch of shorts are liquidated and then so they must buy and then, it, and then blam, 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 it goes up 100%. And like, wow, holy crap. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a symptom of a, uh, of a very highly leveraged uh, and speculative market and that's, you know, that's how it works. Yeah, of course, because it's, yeah, like you're saying, it's a small market, it's very unregulated, so of course it is very highly leveraged because people love gambling on financial assets. It, ha- it happens even in, even in quote-unquote oh, highly regulated yeah. markets. Just look at freaking GameStop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you were going to, you know, I was hoping you would say that because absolutely it does, you know. I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to think that any, you know, significant amount of regulation would... Uh, necessarily stop that issue or ameliorate that issue but uh, I think it's it certainly doesn't help (laughs) not having any uh, regulation um, really so you know uh, but for me it's not it's not it's not that uh, the end of the world that there is this volatility a because it's good for the people who get involved in the long term that their cryptocurrency rises in value as more people adopt but I think it comes from, uh, you need to understand these three functions of uh, money that it, it's supposed to have, right? Where it can be a medium of exchange, which means you can trade it around uh, between people, a store of value, like we were talking about with gold and digital, you know, you obviously in the long term, you want your money to not be beanie babies. You want it to actually have uh, value and not just be tulip mania or whatever. And the third thing is a, a unit of account. so when you go to the shops and you look and the price tag says three US dollars and you understand roughly how much value that is, right? But in this equation, uh, a medium of exchange, I would say for Bitcoin Cash is the most important one. And that's pretty independent from the volatility because it can be very volatile and still be an amazing medium of exchange, right? 
to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it is important for us to acknowledge that when people are you know, using a currency in business, they will demand some basic, some baseline of uh, stability that is unavoidable. Um, you know, like we, it, it is a need. It is a need, mm-hmm. and we can't we can't just tell them, you know, oh, uh, oh, your need doesn't make sense because of this and this reasons. They don't, they don't, they don't care. It is, it is a, it is a real need. It is there, and uh, you know, if we don't uh, fulfill that demand, those those people would just, uh, those people would just say that okay, uh, well, whatever you say is like clever, man. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, why, why should I care? Like you have, uh, you have all those great theories, but I don't, I don't care. I, uh, you know, I'm doing business in this coin. I care that uh, I don't have to. I, I care that I don't have to worry about. Uh, going to sleep uh, one day and then wake up tomorrow and then the, and then the money the quote unquote money that I received yesterday has fallen 30% I can't do business like that it is a real need yeah. um, and uh, we can't just explain them away you know so yeah um yeah. I, I think it's important that we acknowledge that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm not uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm doing a poor job of presenting. I'm not it's not to say there's no uh, issues with 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 volatility. And of course for merchants, yeah, your concern is not the you don't want volatility because your concern is you're trying to run your business. You don't want to be running busy with all the problems with your business and busy with the problems of volatility. So you want those two things uh, separated out. And I suppose historically that was also why there was a lot of contingency of uh, merchants using things like BitPay, where they could receive payments in uh, cryptocurrencies, but then they would just immediately cash them out, right, to avoid that yes. uh, volatility. And I suppose, yeah, as we'll, we'll, we'll get on to any hedge, but the idea there being that they could hold those, but still uh, lock the value in some sense. But with these functions of money, like if if we if we uh, set, setting aside merchants for a second, the volatility doesn't stop it being good money for individuals uh, because if it's a good medium of exchange that's a great start if it's a store of value well crypto has been a pretty good store of value in the sense that it's horrendously volatile but it's also volatile upwards (laughs) for the most part Uh, so which is the kind of volatility you want and then the third thing being a unit of account and being able to price things at the shop and understand that's like basically the least important because we can have adoption going from where we're at now to the whole world and just price things in USD the whole way right up until Bitcoin is the whole economy or crypto is the whole economy. And then at that point, maybe we would still price things in USD. I guess not if crypto is literally everything, but uh, at that point, you, it will be large enough and stable enough that, that that won't be as much of an issue. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I largely agree. Um, uh, you know, what I what I have to add is just that uh, it's not even an unsolvable problem. Uh, mm. We have ways to get a lot better uh, on that front, so that people are more willing to use it. Um, and yeah, this is this is where this yeah. is where uh, this is where I get to show any hedge like this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's com- It's coming up. It's coming up. I think we've got. I've got one more slide, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get into any hedge. All right, we just got to cover all the all the bases so that. 
so that uh, the listeners are well are well prepared for the background to all this. So I've got here a bit of uh, my uh, opinions for individual investors. Again, we'll get on to merchants. They m- maybe need a different uh, strategy, right? But for individuals who are new to cryptocurrency, let's say this is the first thing about cryptocurrency they've ever you know, understood or they've just bought some Bitcoin cash or something like that. Uh, here's my top tips for how to handle the fact that there is insane volatility, right? So the first thing is that just with time, you'll get more used to it. Like we were saying at the start of the show, you know, I'm fairly accustomed to it. You're fairly accustomed to it. It, it just, yep. you just get over it eventually. Uh, the second thing is don't invest more than you can afford to lose. If you put your entire life savings into it, obviously you're going to have an extreme emotional reaction when it drops 30% in a week, like we, uh, talked about, but, uh, just, just start start small basically uh life savings life savings is uh, is uh, is relatively tame i think <laughs> generally i think the generally good advice is do not borrow money to buy crypto yeah no don't just don't <laughs> yeah i've got that so that's the fourth point on this slide i had the same thought which is there's definitely you see people posting yeah. about it's like a wall street bets type of mentality but i think people were doing this even before wall street bets existed uh or definitely long before gamestop or any of that which was uh yeah just being like well crypto is gonna go to the moon so i'm gonna borrow 300 grand from the bank and then put it all in bitcoin and then bitcoin went from ten dollars to a hundred dollars and then you know i'll be rich or whatever and that's great except for the fact that it's sort of that same reasoning of the market can stay uh irrational longer than you can remain solvent right so i think yeah just anybody don't do that to all my listeners this is not none of this show is financial advice but but actually just don't (laughs) don't make that alone to make to make it worse if you if you borrow money to buy crypto you know you got a few months of bear market and then you know you're wiped out you now you have to sell and you're and you have to sell at the bottom it's really screwed up yeah yeah so don't don't do that pay off your debts make sure your credit card interest or whatever that's charging you 15 percent is not ruining your life and once you've got that all sorted you've got a solid asset base you're debt free that then worry about it and put in just a little bit also dollar cost averaging because again it's just the same thing as crypto tends to have long bear markets and then huge explosions in value so if you get into it when you do it's in a huge explosion of value well maybe then you should just like throw in a decent amount but if it's you don't necessarily know that especially if you're completely new to crypto you don't know what's going on so you just figure out okay i want to put in let's say a hundred dollars let me split that up into 20 increments, $5. And then for the next 20 weeks, I'll buy $5 every week. And if you do that, A, you'll be less uh, hyped up about it at the start because it won't just be like, oh, it's all, you know, roulette. We're just putting it all on black. You, it'll, it'll, be more, it'll be more spread out, but it will also give you a sense of, okay, the market's gone up a bit this week. It's gone down a bit this week, whatever, whatever, whatever. And if the price goes up, then you're happy because your investment is paying off and if it goes down then uh if you buy lower than your previous price you've lowered your average price and if you spread that out over a, a long enough period of time you will end up with a very good reasonable price for for what you're what you're trying to get even if it is fairly volatile in that in that time being so 
that that I think is huge uh, to new users. Don't just say I've got a hundred bucks that I want to put in. Let's go on <laughs> on Bitfinex and just throw it all in there today. Don't do that. Split yeah, it up. And then, uh, and then do a one hundred x leverage, and then, you know, it's, and, and then and then you get wiped out in like five minutes. Over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So start small. Start pace yourself. It'll still be there. Crypto will still be there tomorrow. Don't. You don't need to get uh, be a millionaire tomorrow, even though if that's what people think is going to happen. But yeah, just try not to do that. Okay, don't day trade. That's basically what you're saying. Is that I, I? It's just a classic thing that people are new to crypto and they think, oh look, if I can make, if I hold on to this, I'll make, you know, ten x in their mind. But also, then if I trade this, then I'll have I can ten x my bitcoins and the price will ten x. So I'll be like rich as hell. Uh, just don't, you're not, you're not a genius. You're not the Wolf of Wall Street, all right? You're not going to pick exactly the right day to be buying the right coins or whatever. The market is so big and so complicated and there are so many more people with so much more money and experience than you. It's just a classic way to throw away money, you know? Yep. So... Yeah, for, for the users, I've, I've been there, I've done that, I had fun doing it, I lost money doing it. Uh, so give it a go if you want to do it, but literally just $10, put in $10 and have a bit of fun and when you've lost it all, just realize, wait, I'm not smarter than the market. Again, yeah, don't, I mean, don't throw it uh, I mean, like, you are literally the market, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone thinks that they're smarter than most people, but they are most people. Yeah. So exactly nine out of ten drivers think they're an above average driver probably nine out of ten day traders think they're <laughs> think they're a great day trader too i think that's probably how it goes um okay and now i've got i've got two other suggestions which are, are a bit more uh a bit more long term like maybe this is not when you're first getting into cryptocurrency but they're things that can consider so one is uh to get paid in bitcoin cash so whether it's at your job, if you ask them to pay you in Bitcoin Cash, or whether you have some sort of like side hustle or whatever you're doing, if you can get paid even like, you know, 5% in Bitcoin Cash or something like that, then because your income will be somewhat regular, it sort of is just another version of that dollar cost averaging that we were talking about before, where if the price is going up, then you're getting paid less, uh, well, the same amount, like the same value, but a different quantity of bitcoin uh cash but your value is going up so you're happy and if it goes downwards then effectively you're getting more crypto for the same amount of work if your salary is set in us dollars or british pounds or whatever uh but your earning is actually coming through in bitcoin cash so that can be another nice way it's not for everyone but that that's just sort of another example of the dollar cost averaging and the final one is I have a mate who has uh, got some cryptocurrency and he's put it somewhere that he knows he won't be able to get it for several years. And therefore, he doesn't worry about the volatility <laughs> because he make, made make a plan. Sure, and make, sure, make sure you keep your keys. At the at, A lot of the stories end, end with, uh, oh, shoot, I don't remember my passphrase. So I don't remember my, I, I don't know where I put my keys anymore. And, 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 and yeah, don't, don't be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're going to do this, uh, I, I'm not going to 
tell each individual how exactly they should set it up, but you know, figure out some kind of game plan like where you have, uh, you know, a friend or something, and you give you give it give it to them, but you don't tell them the password, and you tell the password to another completely unrelated person, or something like that. Just figure out some sort of setup for yourself where you can stop yourself having uh, access to it using paper wallets that you've got stored where you know something uh again i don't rec you know recommend it is not uh investment advice or anything like that but for people who think crypto is doing great but they're worried that if they had some they would spend all day obsessed with the price or something like that it can be one one method to to manage that is to put it uh a small amount, again, like we were saying before, small amounts, please, uh, and then putting it outside their control. So then there's just not really any uh, fretting about it, maybe. All right, cool. So let's get on to any hedge. Uh, you can uh, just, this is your shilling opportunity. Uh, tell me about any hedge. What is it? How does it work? How are you involved? Just go for it. Um, right. So uh, this uh, this idea came from uh, basically basically what happened uh, a what ha what happened a little, uh, few yeah it's it's it, it I think it's a couple months but I'm not uh, terribly sure about like you know exactly how many days there it was but it was uh, after the activation of uh, the opcode check data sync on Bitcoin Cash, mm -hmm. um, which at the time of its activation, everyone think that oh, it's uh, a it's a an opcode to read external data and we can use it to create simple oracles. And that's about it. Uh, so you know, people have uh, came up with use cases where they uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it can be used for like a gambling oracle. People get uh, bet that prices would go up. People have bet that you know. Um, uh, on sports or presidential elections or whatever, yeah, that's what people thought. Um, but then, uh, a bit later on, people figure out that uh, I think the first time I read about it was uh, through was uh, uh, a was a write up that was outlined by this uh, by this. Uh, pseudonym uh called tendo pain mm -hmm. um who outlined that hey we can actually use it to do confidence i wouldn't go very deep into the technical details of what a confidence is but essentially it opens up to a very wide variety of uh, uh of use cases where not only where not only you can you uh, read oracles but you can now also uh, restrict essentially through a smart contract where and where the contract pays its coins to and how much does it pay uh, and apply other uh, conditions on top of that. So that was very powerful and people were going around and coming up with new use cases for that. Uh, some of, uh, one of them is uh, Lyco's um, Macenas and Last Will, which was pretty cool, and there was uh, Tobias Rook, uh, who I think uh, made a made a little cool uh, 
on chain on chain like confident chess thing, which is you know I, I'm I'm not sure what that is for, but <laughs> but、uh, it was cool as hell. <laughs> Yeah. So and then and then I tried to think about it. I was like, okay, so、uh, yeah, these things are all cool, but、uh, you know,、uh, they all have their little niches.、Uh, but we still have this one problem remaining that was unsolved, which is that people who operate on BCH are have to be. They have to be worried about BCH price going up and down all the time. You、mm-hmm. know, they they. Eyes are glued to the prize.、Uh, they can't move away, and、uh, they can't. You know, it's it's a terrible, it's a terrible way to run a business. Yeah. So. So while thinking about that,、um, I came up with a、uh, look. I look at how other markets operate.、Um, I mean, I have a little bit of prior knowledge in. And、uh, watching how those markets work, yeah,、um, you know things like,、uh, say, the airline industry, for example. What does the airline industry run on? It runs on oil, and、uh, you know, oil is much less. Let's just say that oil is much less volatile than cryptocurrencies. Yeah, <laughs> but compared to say, U.S. dollars or the Chinese yuan, it is still a lot more、uh, volatile.、Mm. Uh, like. Oil, you know, at the extremes, it can go up or down like ten percent a day,、uh, and、uh, you know that's during extreme times. And even during non-extreme times, it's not unheard of that uh, uh, oil can go up or down like twenty percent in a week.、Uh, that's that, that, that's like normal. Yeah, that happens all the time. So, if you are in if you are an airline or you are a tanker company.、Uh, Your entire business runs on oil, and、uh, oil goes up and down all the time. It's a terrible way to run business.、Yeah. Um, they are in this. They are in a similar. Uh, uh, they are in a similar predicament as businesses running on cryptocurrencies. Well, they deal with it anyway. So how do they do it? So the way they do it is that they establish a market where they buy futures. To、yeah. uh, lock in prices at a certain level, and once they lock in, you know they they give they give up some some of their profits to the speculators on the other side, but in exchange they get stability, and once they get stability, they can actually do accounting, they can calculate costs and、uh, costs and profits, and have peace of mind. They can do long term planning.、Um, You know they can they they actually get to run their、uh, business a lot more comfortably, so it's a win win.、Um, that's how that's how they work with a volatile asset that is you know oil or pretty any kind a lot of other commodities. So I was like, okay,、uh, that's how they work. Can we apply the same principles to BCH?、Um, and I look at it a little bit. Uh, and uh, I, I, in,、uh, my initial intuition is that yes, it can. And then I sketch out how how it probably should work.、Um, and then I went around asking people. I went around asking a couple people who are,、uh, you know,、uh, more more experts at smart contracts than I am.、Um, you know, Mark Lunderberg being one of them.、Uh, and、uh, the answer is that yeah. Yeah, it actually kind of makes sense, and that's basically how it began. 
Right. Cool. So I, 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 uh, I read through the, the white paper and everything, but for the listeners, the, so the summary of it basically is that let's say if I had a hundred dollars of Bitcoin cash and I didn't want the, uh, value of that to plummet, basically, I guess nobody's ever really sad if it goes, you know, up, but you can't, uh, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it only going up and not going down. So if I wanted to yeah. guarantee that I have a hundred dollars today and that I have a hundred dollars tomorrow with any hedge, uh, I can make a smart contract, which is put into the blockchain and which nobody can really mess about with, which means that I make a deal with somebody else that they are going to put up uh, a certain amount of Bitcoin cash themselves also to be, uh, taking the speculative part of the risk. So if the price goes up, yes. uh, essentially, then they're getting paid by me because I'm only gonna have $100 at the end and the price has gone up, there's more of it, it's getting distributed over to them. Yes. And then the, the reverse is true. So if the price goes down, well then they are paying me so that I stay at $100 uh, value. And then what you're saying about the Oracle is that's the uh, price feed basically. So it might be well, I guess yes. uh, maybe right now there's not necessarily all that many of them, but there could be in the future, you know, it could be the New York Times or it could be whatever crypto company or, or something that says we will guarantee that we are publishing the correct uh, price every 10 minutes or something so that your smart contract can check and uh, adjust the adjust the levers. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you've got... Yeah, I think you. I think you got a nice summary there. Uh, it is basically what it is. With with what you were saying about, so I didn't know actually uh, that detail that you said about it came from the implementation of these uh, opcodes in the in uh, Bitcoin Cash. Because I know what I do know is there was a lot of the opcodes got disabled in BTC, right? And then they got put back in in BCH. So is that one of the? Is that is that one of these? No, ones? it's not. No, it's not. It is. Uh, it is a novel opcode uh, on Bitcoin. It is a novel opcode on Bitcoin Cash. It was not pre- It was not present on BTC at any point. It is uh, in its uh, history. Right. So they can't do this. So they if well they would have to add that opcode if they wanted to add this same functionality. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, they're ahead of the game there. That's good. That's, that's good news. That's really good to hear. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, so I, I had, uh, a few thoughts as I was reading, I've just put here on the slide. So one thing I, I found was I thought about this, I, I understood the idea and everything. And I, then I thought, oh, okay, great. I'm going to try it. I'm going to go, go out. I'm going to put in 50 bucks and lock it in for a day before we had this call. And, uh, see for myself how it works and all that. See if I could, or maybe take the other side of the trade and get paid some uh, interest and everything. But is is there uh, like a implementation of it? It's it sounded like uh, yeah, this yes, is a protocol. Yes, and uh, yeah, the, uh, this is a general problem. This is a general problem all around. Is that uh, you know having an idea that is possible doesn't mean that you got an implementation in the product. Yeah, having a protocol. Uh, imp- Having the protocol enable something doesn't mean that you have a practical implementation out there. And having a practical implementation out there doesn't mean that uh, you have a business actually running on it yeah. and offering the service to you know uh, the general users. Mm-hmm. Luckily, what happened after uh, we got that idea is that uh, is that I got 
together with a with a few entrepreneurs. One of them is uh, one of them is John Deary, uh, Emergent Reasons, whose yeah. name is also on the white paper. Uh, and uh, the and uh, one other is uh, one other is uh, Jonathan Silverblood, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, who has uh, done a who has uh, done a few excellent projects on Bitcoin Cash, uh, including one limited to cash accounts. Uh, some, some some people might, uh, a lot of people might uh, remember that. It is still running yeah. uh, and a lot of people still use it. Um, so uh caught around with a few people and uh, uh, yeah, General Protocols, uh, the company was born uh, to push this idea forward uh, and offer practical implementations. And then uh, General Protocols uh, later found another company, who, uh, D-Token, who wants to do decentralized exchanges. And they saw the promise in this and they want to provide, you know, a front end, uh, you know, user acquisition, front end and liquidity for it. Uh, and General Protocol uh, aims to do the backend sir, uh, a bunch of the backend service uh, and, you uh, implement the actual smart contract, and so you know it involved it involved quite a few people and uh, a lot of capital from both uh, from both ends. But yes, you the result is that today there is an implementation that you can use right now uh, that you can go to dtoken.net uh-huh. um, and uh, basically just uh, do that. All right, cool. Because uh, I, I didn't, it, yeah, I didn't uh, get onto this last night. Here is, we go. It, it, right. it, it is. It is not perfect. There's only one. There's only basically only one kind of contract offered, which is daily three to one contracts. Yeah. Um. Uh, and the token has some. You know, uh, the performance is not perfect. Uh, sometimes it goes. Sometimes it goes down. Some. Uh, even even when it goes down, your funds are not at risk because it's not custom. But yeah. sometimes it goes down and then it frustrates people. But it <laughs> is there, and there's a long way to go. But it is there. <laughs> yeah. No, this looks awesome. I did not uh, know about this. I might have to give this a go then after the. Oh yeah. After the show, I'll put in. Uh, I'll put in some some cash and uh, see about this. And so, this is then a way. Yeah, like you're saying, it's non-custodial. So for. Uh, listeners that aren't familiar basically what that means and it's sort of related to this decentralized uh, finance uh, movement that is really big at the moment but which I'll have to (laughs) go into detail on another uh, podcast episode about but basically the idea is that uh, even if you're using this service like dtoken or whatever they they are not in control it's not like if you go to a bank and you give them the money and then you do use some financial product but if the bank collapses well then you're just screwed or even in crypto, if you go to an exchange and you put your coins on the exchange, well, the exchange is in charge of it all. So if they collapse, like the famous incident of Mt. Gox or a thousand other of these crypto exchanges, you're screwed. But if in DeFi, and it's gone. Yeah, exactly. It, it's the personification <laughs> of that uh, yeah South Park scene where, yeah, we've got $20 and it's gone. We've got five Bitcoin and it's gone. Well, the idea with uh, DeFi is that uh, it's not like that and instead you are sort of still in control and just by the blockchain these more advanced smart contracts and things creating a situation where 
your you still own the money even if you're using this other service or, or whatever so if they disappear for any way well they don't have control of the money they were just providing the service and at the end of the day the money will still sort of return back to you if it was locked in some contract or play out according to the contract independent of whether or not yeah their service has problems or gets bought out or goes broke or you know all the things that happen um happen in the world so yeah this is the this is a interesting so it's only it's up to 3x or it's exactly 3x did you say it was only three to one um it is uh it is only three it is only three to one i think uh when they created it i think they tried to future proof it a little and yeah. uh, allow for and allow for uh more possible pairs um so yeah uh there, there are there are probably other options that will come later yeah and one one interesting thing here we've got so we've got earn on this website but it was something i picked up that was very interesting in the white paper was the idea that you can have either side of the contract so either the person getting the stability or the person getting the volatility aka the you know profit or loss either side can be the side that pays an interest rate of an arbitrary amount to the other right so we will in theory we'll yeah, see uh, a market emerge right where people who want the stability will offer to the speculators uh we're willing to pay you know a half a percent premium for for the you know locking in yes. this volatility but you could also have the other side where uh speculators could say i really really want to speculate uh if somebody else uh you know like a merchant uh you know we will actually pay you to lock your crypto in it as at a, at a fixed rate Yes, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't go into details on the on uh, how on how the algorithm actually works. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, part of part part of it is really just in control of the token. I don't, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that I fully, I fully know exactly how to control it. But mm. the gist of this is that uh, there isn't uh, since. You know the entire market is made up of hedges and longs um if there is overwhelmingly more demand for one side versus the other then this then you know the side that is in high demand will have you know, they are desperate to open contracts they think the price would go up tomorrow and it will go up a lot so they you know they will have they will have to pay the other side to open this contract and supply and demand right uh that's the base that's basically the gist of it yeah and i i mean that's just that's a super cool uh idea because uh well i don't know if these kind of things exist in traditional finance but they probably do in some uh form or another like you're saying with the oil and, and everything like that but in the in the crypto world where things move around at such an insane speed and the the price is so volatile like we talked about before and it's also globally accessible that just this might end up being used by like you're saying merchants spread all over the globe and whatever then you can we might get some really interesting insights from the fact that at certain like let's say if a bubble starts and the price is rocketing up then the demand might shift quite dramatically as to who who wants to be locking in their volatility and 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 who doesn't and uh whatever right and another sort of aspect to this is that uh, it is, it's all settled in BCH, but the price Oracle can be for any arbitrary, is it any arbitrary information? 
Um, well, I mean, uh, as long as there is, as long as there is a price, and as long as someone is willing to run an oracle, then yes, it can be done. It has to be a price. That has to be like a numerical yeah. value. You can't yeah, publish like a boolean. So sorry, what it? So so it has to be okay. So I I need to try and sort of explain this so that uh, users who are not, uh, you know, super in detail can follow along. But so basically, what I'm asking is that uh, you can have uh, this this all runs on Bitcoin Cash, but they've already got us or the option to have. You can have um, you can speculate on the price of Bitcoin Cash like we were talking about before, or you can speculate on anything else. So you could speculate on the price yeah. of gold or so. Yes. Yeah, so uh, in this case, it is important that if you read into the white paper a little more, mm-hmm. you would realize that uh, the the uh, interesting nature of how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the base layer, this like this very first product that we are talking about we talk about oh yeah you can uh, you can speculate on the price of uh, of bitcoin cash but no it's actually the other way around yeah essentially you are operating in bitcoin cash and you are speculating on the value of the usd yeah exactly and so yeah. you know if you Think about it in that paradigm then you know we we call it hedge and long because that's how usually people usually think about this thing you know they just cannot put it in their minds that oh my god usd is actually a commodity and we are using bch as money and speculating on that they cannot put it in their mind yeah. so uh we put it as hedge and long to you know make it easier for them to uh, hedge and create short, this right? image in their head but what it really is is that there is a hedge who wants to you know uh, state who wants to uh, peg their BCH value against USD, and then there is a short. There is the guy who, there is the speculator who comes in with their BCH and they're shorting the dollar. Mm. That's what that's what actually happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, um, a, it's fascinating, right? Because for me, I think, uh, the, yeah, it is this sort of inversion of the of the paradigm that people come to cryptocurrency because we've been inured in this system of fiat currency like we were talking before with unit of account and everything that you think i go to the shop and this is something is worth this much right but in the like people also look at these graphs of the bitcoin price or bitcoin cash price against the us dollar but the way i think about it and the way i think people sort of are shifting towards as they become more involved in cryptocurrency is at some point the graph in your head flips and you think about it as oh, I have this much Bitcoin cash, and then the value of the USD is sort of fluctuating against that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, it's not something that happens tomorrow or in the future. It's it's already what's happening right here. Uh, yeah. We just present it in a different way so that people are not freaked out about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the reason that um, the Bitcoin cash has to be the... Uh, asset is because that's the programmable part of the collateral, right? That's the, that's why yes. it's based that yeah, way. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, I would say, quote unquote, that's the free part of the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, back to your original question. Yes, you can, you, you can make a number of things. You can do a number of, uh, the, uh, pairs, uh, or any pair, for example, that's where, that's where the any of the any edge comes in. Yeah. Uh, as long as, uh, someone is willing to run an Oracle about it, you know, you can, uh, 
uh, you can have uh, BTC versus BCH. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have gold versus BCH. You can have freaking potatoes versus BCH. <laughs> um, yep, I'm uh, sure and, we'll uh, yeah. and, and then people, and, and I think there are some people who asked, uh, oh, right, but can I do gold versus USD? And for that, I would say that somebody would have to be the long BCH part in it. But as long as that, uh, as long as that speculation part exists, uh, yes, it is uh, possible to arrange for something like uh, you know, gold, uh, gold price in dollars. It would just be a more complex setup, but it's possible. So, so when you're doing that, would you do that, uh, like in a scenario where one person had gold versus? Uh, US, uh, one person had uh, Bitcoin Cash versus USD, and somebody else had gold versus Bitcoin Cash. And then by combining those two, somehow you could make it gold to uh, USD. Is that yes, the idea? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's a more complex setup, so it's probably not the for not the biggest priority uh, mm. next, but yeah. uh, it is conceivable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. None of this stuff is going to get uh, built tomorrow. You know, this is very. Uh, it gets very complicated very quickly. It it takes time. It's programming. There are there are an endless uh, amount of bug of bugs to be fixed. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think already you know, the fact that there is a, an implementation of this, uh, I'm I'm quite amazed about because I did read it in, uh, I read it through it all, and I yeah I just didn't realize that there was a a way to, to try it today but I can see that that will very rapidly uh, advance and I'm, I'm sure as well that as part of the uh, system there will surely be you know there'll be some outreach to exchanges and so on and so forth right I, I don't know how much uh, involved you are in, in sort of the business part of that C- can you talk about that or do you know about that or is that you know, uh, information. Uh, so, you can so, sorry, or... can you can you can you repeat that question? Like, uh, I I I think I think I got kind of lost in the yeah. middle of it. Right, right. So, as far as the with any hedge and the plans for the future, so they've sort of teamed up with D Token to do an implementation yeah. of this. But is it also going to be uh, available on other cryptocurrency exchanges, or is there an active move right. to? So, uh, we. So, uh, General Protocols is uh, con- is actively contacting a number of exchanges. Uh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't name them because yeah, there's yeah. no like official partnership yeah. state or anything out there. But uh, yeah. essentially, there are essentially there are two routes to go uh, here. One is that uh, we can keep expanding um, towards any any exchange who wants to you know open up an entirely new market which is uh this decentralized uh decentralized non-custodial uh hedge and futures engine basically um it is i i would say that and it's not an easy job because uh, you know, for most exchanges, most ex- most exchanges, uh, even the more technically competent ones, they are perfectly happy with the uh, traditional uh, model where they are custodians of everything. 
you know, they're custodians of everything, and they just, you know, you put your coins in, and then the coin disappears into the void. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they tell you what happens. And yeah. then when the when you when you withdraw when you withdraw your coins from them, you go to the withdraw screen, and then you tell them, okay, please, pretty please, I want to withdraw. Yeah. And they say, yes, you may withdraw. Thank me later. Um, so they are perfectly happy with that model, uh, and uh, not to mention that you know a lot of exchanges aren't even that technically competent. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's a there's there's a rise of like white label uh, exchanges where the operator doesn't even need to do anything. Someone else supplies their engine for them, and you know they just uh, they just click yes and yes and yes, and then they put up a they, and then they put up some fancy pictures uh, mm. in front, and then voila, you got an exchange. So. Um, it is a it, so you know this is a new product and uh, it will involve a lot of convincing and uh, you know technical wrestling for exchanges. Um, but uh, yes, it is something we work on. The other route is uh, the other route is that essentially, uh, eventually, uh, we hope that. Uh, we can get to a point where there is a relatively decentralized platform where anyone can strike up contracts with anyone. Like you know, uh, maybe maybe in this very uh, this is one of our possibilities. Like maybe in this very conversation, I can yeah. tell you, okay, you know what? I want to hedge. You want to long. Let's do it. Yeah. And then we do it like right on the spot. Um, and then. Uh, and then perhaps people can meet on some other yet to be yet to be developed and yet to be designed uh, uh, decentralized platform. But uh, that is another route, and uh, I think most uh, ways has uh, their pros and cons in terms of user experience and how much uh, security or liquidity they will get. But yeah, uh, there are many possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh... It's it's mind blowing. I mean, I'm being an engineer myself. I when I look at this stuff, I I sort of get a little bit uh, intimidated because I that somebody's gonna have to write a lot of code to make this all uh, work. But the obviously the uh, the concept and the financial power of it is is immense, and it will uh, rapidly um expand i'm sure as well you know because once you've got one thing and you've built that and that's stable then you can add on the next thing like we we're talking about doing uh different asset pairs neither of which are crypto and i'm sure there's more things after that uh that will occur <laughs> occur to me or you or any, anybody who's using this uh stuff they will that whatever there is demand for the market will eventually uh provide you know so it, it, it's very interesting it's not, well. it's, it's not just that the market would eventually provide uh one thing that we have learned a lot uh through this whole you know it's not just any hedge or general protocol but the whole uh bitcoin journey is that uh a lot of times just because a you think a demand exists somewhere it doesn't mean that it will be addressed immediately mm. a lot of times it only gets addressed like much 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 later and then you ask away why why is that uh because the efficient market hypothesis is a lie and <laughs> you know a lie. somebody actually has to step up and do it and yeah. uh you know people who are capable and willing to 
step up and do it are in short supply. And they're uh, already busy. Believe it or not, yeah. they are in short supply. So, uh, yeah, this is also this is also uh, something that I want to uh, tell whoever is listening to to the show is that if you think you can, if you think uh, this is a valuable thing that needs to be done. Um, and you look around and don't find any obvious person who are people who are doing it. Maybe that guy is you. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, you know, don't wait for it. Don't wait for anybody. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like that's uh, that was the genesis of this podcast, right? I mean, there are Bitcoin Cash uh, podcasts as well too. Um, and I, I, in fact, I, I I found out about a few more uh, after I started this, right? Uh, but I think either way, I sort of sort of felt I had my own take on on different things. So I just sort of thought, well, we'll just crack on and uh, and start. It's been going really well so far. So I totally agree with that sentiment. Which is what, one one thing that I've started thinking about of it is is that the Bitcoin Cash as a uh, organization or as a Rick Falkinger would put it, as a disorganization or as a movement or whatever it probably has the resources to fix whatever issues it needs fixed, but that's uh, an active rather than a passive process, right? So the community can self-fund or self-create any tools or any shit that it needs, but we're all just sort of like uh, parts of the hive mind. Uh, The more active you are in that process, the more it will just magically turn into something amazing, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are two sides of the coin. Uh, one side is that the community can do this, and the other side of the coin is that you are the community. Exactly. So yeah, 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 and you've got to see it in that lens as not yeah. What is what is the community doing for me? But more, what can you bring to the community? And I think yeah, people I, people who are bringing valuable stuff or putting a lot of effort in or creating whatever they're whatever they're doing. Then, then it starts to feed back on itself, right? Where people uh, reward you or they're interested and then, or they link you up to more other people who are doing similar stuff or, or whatever. And it all, it all gets better for everyone. And that's uh, really quite amazing and especially important in uh, a cryptocurrency where the value comes from the community uh, very directly rather than being sort of a you know, result somehow of people living in the same geography. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we, you know, we've been going for uh, an hour and a half. Is there, is there anything else you wanted to bring up uh, about any hedge or about, uh, about cryptocurrency generally? Or, you know, what, what's been on your mind recently with, with Bitcoin Cash? How are you feeling about things? Um, so, um, so far so good. And, uh, as you said in the beginning, you know, uh, the price could use, the price could use some improvement. The ratio could use some improvement. Um, but, uh, I, but I would say that, you know, the fundamentals are, the fundamentals are pretty good, but on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential, but as I said just now, you know, all those potentials that people think are possible, uh, that people think are possible, and uh, people think that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the market should eventually come to the, its senses. 
you are the market. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and do it. And you know, so if you know, if you have a if you uh, if you are a developers, there's a lot of places in uh, there's a lot of places in Bitcoin Cash uh, which are hiring right now. You know, General Product was being one of them. Um, and uh, I think I think there are a few other places too. You know, uh, there's uh, General Protocols and uh, there's uh, BCHN and Electron Cash. Uh, you know, there there's resources. And if you are if you are capable, uh, go try go try it out. And uh, you can uh, maybe you will maybe you will, maybe it's a it's a start of a great career. Uh, and on the other hand, you know, if you are an entrepreneur and you see that, okay, yeah, but uh, but this, uh, I, I see this smart contract. I have a different, I have a different take on it. Or even if I have a same take on it, I I see that oh, this general protocol guys, I don't think they are doing a good job. I can do a better job. Well, go do it. Uh, <laughs> don't wait for anyone. Uh, so yeah, I just uh, want to uh, let people know in general that. Uh, it is uh, it is not enough to just uh, see other people to just watch other people do things. Um, you can make a difference, and uh, to push this peer-to-peer electron electronic cash to the world uh, and make some money in the process. That's right. Yeah. It's good for everyone. It's good for the community, and it's uh, it'll be good for you. You know, it'll be good to you too if you. Uh, you're putting up results i think that's that's certainly uh certainly my attitude so i completely agree with that a hundred percent and even though it's not something that people are yeah accustomed to with fiat currencies or whatever that that is the world of of crypto is you, you basically you get out what you what you put in very very directly and also in the in the in the macro sphere so uh in it's quite actually a change in the economy even if it doesn't seem it at the surface level which is the yeah the these things they don't magically come from nothing it's all the combined effort of uh of, of lots of different people so you know first time doing the live stream so there had to be some issues with it right nothing ever goes right the first time um but yeah basically yeah i don't know people can uh Donate to the show if they liked it, obviously. Um, the slides and resources are all at uh, bitcoincashpodcast.com for anybody who wants to check out the links and everything. I want to say thank you to the people who donated for the last episode uh, pseudonymously on, on Bitcoin Cash. I, I always appreciate it. It's always great. Uh, haven't got any subs on Patreon, but I also haven't got any rewards or anything for them so uh fair enough you know and uh yeah uh i, I hope everybody's uh enjoying it. and thank thank you for being on the show with me oh thank you for having me uh, it's, it's been good and uh yeah anything you want to shout out people can go check out any hedge where can they find that um yeah uh well i mean i pretty much just shield like detoken.net in the in the show yeah um if you are a developer or a potential partner, if you are an exchange or you know trading desk or um, just uh, some developers wanting to uh, make apps uh, around it, um, go check out uh, generalprotocols.com and eddiehedge.com uh, and uh, make contact. Yeah. All right. Well, generalprotocols.com.
there you go get involved uh people and uh now i'm going to check out the twitch stream which i have not had <laughs> open this whole time because of my dodgy internet so we'll see if we got some uh viewers there or not maybe we can uh chat to them but uh Otherwise, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed, and uh, until next time. Okay. All right. Thank you. Cool.